Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. It feels feels like the holiday season being up here in northern Michigan. Cold, a little windy, and a bit of snow on the old ground. Not much, not much, mind you. Uh, Can't remember the last time there was an actual white thanksgiving where i when i was a kid i feel like i remember being able to go skiing up here uh at that at that time but yeah i don't know um we'll have to sort of uh see how the old see how the old uh next few days go see if we actually get like a full-on uh dumping of snow that'd be kind of cool i am i am a little a little questioning that um, but today on the show, I've got the raw recordings, so I'm going to add those in. The audio, you know, obviously gets affected when I'm, I'm not using the proper mics and everything, but it's, it's the stuff that happened out on the ocean and it's, I don't know, I think it's, it's interesting. Um, if you get, you know, it, it's broken up into chunks. It's about five different sections throughout the trip. And so I don't know if you're if you get annoyed with the first little chunk or whatever, just skip ahead a little ways and you might find something you like. So takes you pretty much start to finish on the voyage. And then obviously the last show, if you listened, was the wrap up uh, for everything. So pretty cool. But um, yeah, uh, that is that. But before I get into that, I received a a nice email from uh, Nathan and he was checking in to see about. I don't know, just some information. He'd like to get into doing yacht deliveries and you know, like like all of us when we're when we're trying to maybe do something new, we we like to uh find some local knowledge, if you will, try and uh and get some information about it. So I figure we'll we'll get into some of that stuff beforehand and then we'll roll straight into all of the uh, all the actual raw footage, but uh, or raw recordings, so should be pretty cool. Hopefully, you enjoy the show. Uh, but before we start, like I always say, if you want to help support this podcast, like so many of the uh, Patreon family does and has done for quite a number of years now, it is pretty incredible. Uh, you can follow the link to the Patreon group and join that. Sign up for uh, a little donation to help continue this podcast and also uh, basically continue possible new adventures on Sparrow and getting back out there and, and creating more more experiences for me, but also those experiences will be shared through all this. So big, big time thanks for everybody that does it already. And if you want to join in on that, just follow that link. Also have a couple of links for Venmo and PayPal in case you just want to do a one-time sort of donation. I'm trying to get new sales, and uh, you know those those come with a hefty price tag, so it uh, every little bit helps. So thank you all so much for doing that. We've got the merch line still out there, all the shirts and everything. It is getting up to the Christmas season. Might be a good time to pick up a sweet uh, hoodie or T-shirt and throw it out to a friend. Hint, hint. 
Uh, link in the description as well. And then if you just want to reach out to the show, sailingintooblivion.com. Uh, podcast button and follow the uh, contact the show link and you're good to go those go directly to me i'm reading one right now so that's pretty much it for for the ads <laughs> um i do want to say i guess uh in closing on that that portion though i'm i'm pretty much going to be i think up and available for any yacht deliveries and things like that for the rest of the winter, uh, right now I'm based out of Michigan, but I'm hoping uh, financially, if I can, to plop Sparrow in the water for maybe mid-January through March. Uh, so I'd be on the East Coast somewhere making uh, travel expenses a little bit uh, a little bit less. So if anybody needs a crew, uh, I don't. I do not have a current captain's license in the United States of America. Um, so I'm not, and I don't actually want to be a captain on a delivery boat. I'd much rather join the team and, uh, share my experiences and share my, uh, I don't want to say wealth of knowledge cause it just sounds so, ugh, like, oh, my wealth of knowledge. No, I don't want to say that. It's uh, I, I just, I don't know. It's, <sighs> I find myself in this position where. Yeah, normally someone who's done a lot of the sailing that I have would be like, oh, yes, I must be the captain. But, you know, I, I don't know. I um, I don't uh, feel the need for that. I think my value that I could bring to a boat or to a voyage uh, really is is that of somebody who, um, you know, if things get get pretty ugly out there, obviously we can – we can make some good decisions and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but I, I like I like the idea of the owner of the vessel being on there and working together to sort of achieve the, the goal of getting from point A to point B safe, sound, and with as little wear and tear on the boat as possible. So I don't know. That's that's what I'm aiming for. So I don't know if anybody if anybody's uh, looking for a little help out there, anybody wants to learn a little bit more about offshore sailing, anybody wants to do a trip from the East Coast down to the Caribbean, hit me up. Hit me up. I am uh, definitely available. We had just such a fun time on this last trip, and in about 10 days, I head down to Florida for the next one. This is going to be even better. Like, I just – they're great. It's a lot of fun to just get out there and sail with people. It's, it's a funny thing because it's, you know, I'm like a solo sailor spend all this time by myself out there and I do enjoy that for sure but it's also it's been a kind of a neat adventure to hop on other boats and get out there and share the experience with other people um, it does make me a little uh, a little like oh I wish I had old sparrow in the water go on my own little solo trip but hey you know whatever so uh, this evening we are having uh, a little Thanksgiving cocktail it is a cranberry and soda and vodka mix, and it's it's actually quite lovely. I'm not uh, not gonna lie; it's actually quite tasty, um, and it feels like Thanksgiving. I don't know. I don't know. You got to get into the theme of things sometimes. Mm. Ah. So let's talk about deliveries. Yacht deliveries, uh, my a little bit of a background, I suppose, but my my history with yacht deliveries really stems from that being one of totally 
totally was was what I wanted to get into big boat sailing for. The minute I heard that people pay you to hop on their boat and take it from one place to another, I was like, sold. Done. All right. That is what I want to do. I get to sail. I don't have to own the boat. They actually pay me for it. And in the beginning, obviously, I didn't have much experience. And that there, there lies the question of how do you break into that field and how, you know, what, what are some of the parameters of uh, a normal yacht delivery? And, you know, I, I had been out of the game for quite some time, for sure. Uh, when I first started doing yacht deliveries in the early 2000s, like 2002 uh, forward, but I did it for a number of years. And back then, because I can't really speak for everything now, uh, as far as someone brand new, a greenhorn, if you will, breaking into the industry. I do know that in the beginning I did one or two really epic trips, like crossing the Atlantic, that sort of stuff. I did those where I wasn't being paid, but I was being completely compensated for my travel, and I didn't have to um, chip in on food or anything like that. You know, that's, you know, the monetary side of a delivery is, is, um, it's interesting because a lot of people are like looking for crew to do these sort of big trips and they're looking also for someone to help them fund the trip. So I remember peeling through all these websites and I don't even know if these websites still, still exist maybe we can type one up but like i used to go on crew seekers let's see crew seekers is it even still there oh it is wow look at that blast from the past ah blast from the past yeah look at this it's all the same run out of the uk oh geez crew Yacht crew wanted amateur and professional yacht crew positions available worldwide. Day sailing to trans ocean for all experience levels. Well, I mean, it, it definitely, uh, at first glance, you're sort of like, well, here we go. Um, click on the sailing opportunities. Oh my gosh. Yeah. North Cape through Norway. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of, uh, whole bunch of different trips and everything. But, you know, when you do look at them, okay, from Los Angeles to La Paz uh, on a gaff cutter rig. Let's let's just see here. Uh, do, 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 boat type gaff cutter rig. Looking for one crew from Los Angeles to La Paz at the end of November. Boat is steel hull gaff rig. Da, 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 da. Let's play with a recent sailboat. You get there. Da, 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 da. Let's see. Do we have anything on... Unless we are becoming, I don't expect to motor much as a field reserves are limited. See, that doesn't really tell you much. Uh, oh, yeah. Travel expenses paid by crew. Financial arrangement. No contrib contribution required. Uh, so, obviously, this is a trip where you're not getting paid. You actually have to pay to travel to the boat. But once you get to the boat... You don't have to buy food or add to add to the the cost of of the voyage. So, you know, I mean, and it's one of those things where, like I said in the beginning, I did a few. I never did one where I had to travel. Uh, I had to pay for my own travel. Uh, but 
if you're trying to gain that experience, which is the major tool that you will need moving forward, you know, you need to have that resume where you can say, okay, I've done this, 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 uh, here, you know, here's the, the contact for the captain or the owner that I was on board with, because unlike, unlike a lot of jobs, um, and I guess in some ways it is like a lot of jobs, you're, you're, your performance on one trip is going to dictate how well things go in the future because the the sailing world is so small. It's so tight-knit. I mean, geez, I was literally on a boat from Maine. We pulled into Beaufort, and I'm pulling up next to a boat owned by people that I worked for in the bitter end. And it's just this like random everything. It's all intertwined. It's It's amazing. And so – when you have a reputation that you build where you're you're good on a boat you can you you're knowledgeable um you've got a great attitude all that sort of stuff that carries forth and people want to recommend you because everybody's always talking They're like oh man you know i'm headed over to there i really we had a crew drop out you know of anybody steve and steve's like well actually I uh, was talking to my buddy Mike, and he just did that one trip, and they had that that new guy, and and he was really good. That sort of thing. That's that's essentially, you know, word of mouth and recommendations are absolutely key. When you go online and you're looking at these these things to just break into it, I mean, if if you could find one. If you could find one that kind of interested you and I mean, I've always felt and this was a normal sort of theme back in the day that you should never crew on a boat like a professional delivery. You should never do that for free because you are working. Um, Essentially, you're on call 24 hours a day while you're on that boat and it is technically a dangerous occupation and you should be compensated for that that being said in the beginning when you have zero experience you will probably you need to cut your teeth somewhere and I would say rather than sit there in a basement somewhere and like I am now uh, and essentially try and find like the best thing it's like, don't waste your time. Just get out there. Do what you can. If you can find a, a trip that's that's leaving close to you, maybe it doesn't pay, um, that sort of thing, as long as you don't have to incur a huge amount of cost, you know, think of it as uh, as school. You know, you're, you have to pay to go to school, and you, this, is, this is ocean school right here. And you get that first one done, you do a good job, you kill it while you're out there, and then you go. Um, as far as sort of the the pay scale and, and monetary thing. I mean, again, and, and I'm a bit outdated here, but back in the day, you know, 100, 150 bucks a day was, was pretty good for just a crew member, just your basic, like, body on a boat. And then, yes, they would typically pay for your flights so that, you know, let's say you're going to do a trip from uh, the Chesapeake Bay down to the BVI. It's going to take you 10 days. You're going to stop over in Bermuda. Um you could, if if it's uh, you know a normal operation, yeah. Let's say 150 bucks a day is what you get while you're out at sea. So let's say you pull in and you get layweighed by weather in Bermuda for three days. You might not get paid for those three days, but you also, you know, 
the the boat's paying for your food while you're there, all that sort of stuff. Once you get to the BVI, they fly you back, and uh, and so you don't have to incur those costs. That's pretty normal. That's that's a nice, straight up delivery setup. Now you have to bring your own wet weather gear. You have to have some some semblance of you know you want to show up with your little sea bag and you're good to go. You don't want to show up in pair of flip-flops and a t-shirt and be like, uh, I don't even have a raincoat. <laughs> you know, you, you need some of that stuff, uh, for sure. When you, when you show up, but mostly, um, you know, you, you want to, you want to make sure that you're showing up, not thinking like, Oh, this is going to be like this adventure and this is voyage. Blah, blah, blah. No, this is a job. It is a job. Your job is to not be, you know, lazy not be not be plugging in some headphones lately i've seen some videos of people with headphones on oh to see that just grinds my gears something fierce the auditory sense is so valuable on a boat and when people put headphones on it's just crazy get a bluetooth speaker put it on low volume my goodness i don't want to go on for a rant on that but um so that's sort of the pay scale, though, and and you know if you've done a bunch of yacht deliveries, then you're you're getting up into the you know two three hundred dollars a day range, and if you're, you know, and again, this is just if you're crewing, not if you're the captain. If you're the captain, I don't even know what they charge. Um, I would think, I would think like five hundred dollars a day, sort of thing, depending on the boat, depending on the trip, all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's it's. Essentially, that's what you're looking for. But like I said, you might not be able to get that for the first few trips till you build your resume up. I mean, if you're, you know, you have to almost put yourself in the position of of the guy who's who's or the person who is captaining or that owns the boat. And somebody comes to them and says, hey, you know, I'd, I'd like to go. I've, I've never been offshore. And, you know. It's hard to say, well, let me let me pay you to do this because you're you're just a willing body, a willing person to go and 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 join. It's kind of hard because y- you could be, unfortunately, the reality is you could be just a nightmare on that boat. You could be seasick, you could be lazy, um, you could actually damage the boat. You could be one of those people that can't be up on watch by themselves, uh, needs somebody else there constantly so that you don't make any mistakes. Uh, and you could just be like a jerk and, and ruin the trip for everybody. So you have to you have to have that mindset of like, I'm going to be a rock star crew member. I'm going to join this. I'm going to pull my weight and I'm going to build that little resume up to the point where, okay, now I can start to make some money because again, you know, with the whole delivery seasonal stuff, I mean, you can you can almost count on, at least here in the Atlantic, you can count on your post-hurricane season deliveries down to the Caribbean from the East Coast and down the East Coast, uh, even, even kind of, well, not so much in the summer because the hurricanes, but you never know. People are moving boats all over the place. Uh, but you've got that little chunk, so all and that that could take you all the way into, all the way into January. I mean, I remember, geez, we did a we did an Atlantic crossing in February once from Antigua to Turkey. That was like we left like mid February. I don't know. That was that was kind of a crazy one. That was definitely a unique 
unique position to hop on. Um, but then, you know, towards the tail end of the, or towards the, uh, yeah, tail end of the spring, beginning of summer, you know, April and May, you've got the milk run, which is going across uh, from the Caribbean to the Med. That's, you know, a month long trip or whatever, depending on the boat. That's another one where, you know, think about that. You you hop on a boat, you're getting paid 200 bucks a day, and it's a 30-day trip. That's a nice little chunk of change that you walk away with. Your expenses are paid and all that sort of stuff. So that's that's definitely pretty good. But obviously, they have to be more selective because you're going to be stuck on a boat in the middle of the ocean for a while. And you really do have to watch out who you're, who you're bringing on. At the same time, having said that, there are a lot of times where people's plans change after Antigua's race week. And people get burnt out racing. And then they're like, eh, I was going to do the delivery, but I'm going home. And, and so people do get in sort of a pinch. Um, and then obviously you've got, uh, the rest of the boats coming back from the Caribbean in June, going up North, you know, a lot of boats that went down to the Carolinas or Florida, they're coming back up in June and July, which is a great time to get up to like Maine and all that sort of stuff. So there are, there are a lot of movements and that's just the Atlantic. There's a whole Pacific side and all that. I'm not too familiar with where boats are moving there and all that sort of stuff, but, and the time frames, but, um, yeah, there's a whole world of deliveries out there. Um, but yeah, as far as, as far as money goes, that's, that's sort of what you're looking for. But like I said, you may, you may have to sign on and, uh, hopefully you don't have to pay for anything. Um, it can do as, uh, I would, I would, what I would dub a zero cost delivery where you're not going to make anything, but you're not going to spend anything. And in reality, you, you know, if you get in that situation, you still are kind of getting paid because your food and everything is paid for. Um, so that definitely, definitely helps a little bit. Um, but Captain Crew wanted Santorini, Greece. Let's let's check this one out. Okay, so we've got oh, this is a paid position, but this this isn't a delivery. It doesn't look like this is this is probably a charter boat that needs crew. Uh, da, da, da. travel expenses negotiable. Yeah, you don't like hearing that. Sailing company based in Santorini. We're doing daily charters, searching for a hostess. Experience is not needed, but it's important, and there's no problem with seasickness. And that there is no problem with seasickness. April to October. Yeah, paid position. Blah blah. blah. Okay. Um, as far as finding these gigs, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here on this website and I, I think it is a decent way to break into things, I suppose. Uh, but nothing ever will beat going down to marinas and yacht clubs and things like that. And inquiring, getting there in person, face to face time. That's how you just got to go talk to people, got to go chat with people. And luckily boaters love to talk boating. It's the nicest uh, thing is that you shouldn't have any fear. It's not like it's not like you're going up to, you know, a pretty girl in a bar or something like that. And rejection is like 90 percent guaranteed. No, it's one of those things where you are going to talk boating with other boaters that all they want to talk about is boating. So it's it's definitely uh, a win win. And you you get your name out there. You let people know that's what you're trying to do. 
and you're trying to gain that experience. And if somebody can sit there and talk to you for like 30 minutes, they get a good gauge of, are you a psychopath or are you a normal human being? Are you a nice person? This this could be great. Like, do you get along like a couple of peas in a pod? Huh? Right. And getting that FaceTime is definitely really good. Um, So I would always recommend trying to, you know, look up, see what marina's around you. Call them up, if you will, uh, if you want to be very cordial about it. And, and you can even, that's the thing, you can go in there. You can call and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm interested in getting into sort of the yacht delivery stuff. I want to gain some experience. Um, you know, is it all right if I come down and, and walk the docks and talk to some of these, these uh, owners and stuff? And who knows? You know, they might be like, actually, you know, Steve is looking for somebody because they want to go blah, 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 out to this and that and all the other thing. You never know what connections they're going to make, but you got to get out there and actually get a little FaceTime uh, to do it. But uh, as far as as far as sort of the ins and outs, I guess, I mean, we already covered the, the monetary portion of it. Um, like I said, you want to show up. Etiquette, etiquette on a delivery is essentially you want to show up with your own personal gear probably don't need an actual life jacket uh usually those are going to be on the boat provided but you need your own foul weather gear your boots if it's you know you you have to sort of dress appropriately when it comes to the weather i mean i had nothing but thermals and thermals upon thermals and wool socks and all that sort of stuff for this last trip because it was going to be really cold um so you kind of want to show up having having your personal stuff, but you don't need much else. Remember, it's a job. You're not uh, dressing up for dinner or anything like that on any of these boats. You're you're essentially you're going to be on deck dealing with the elements, and then you're going to be down below trying to get some sleep. That's about it. Um, some of the other good etiquette that that I would always mention as as something that's definitely important is making sure you're trying to stay tidy. If you've got an idle little bit of time, you can grab a paper towel and do a little wipe down of something, most notably the cockpit or the galley. Go for it, you know. Put that little bit of extra effort in because it makes everything, you know, you have four or five people on a boat and, you know, we're all shedding our skin. We got hair coming all over the place. We got food. The detritus of sailors is disgusting, but it doesn't take much to give it a quick once over, and then all of a sudden it's a much more pleasant atmosphere. Never use an alarm clock when you're out there. Um, That's just not necessary at all. Uh, It happens. Some people like to, it's kind of this double-edged sword because you think like, oh, I'm going to be a little proactive. I'm going to set an alarm. That way I'm ready, you know, blah, blah, blah. No. Depend on the person, you know, communicate to the people who are on watch before you and let them know you'd like to be woken up 10 minutes before your watch. And that'll give you time to make coffee, that sort of thing. Um, trying to tone down the bravado, so to speak. Um, that helps, you know, let your actions speak louder than your words. I mean, that that is a staple throughout the ages. There's nothing... Uh, there's no occupation. I, I think that besides maybe, no, I don't, I don't even know. I was going to say like, you know, acting or Hollywood or something like that. Cause they're faking everything, but like, uh, or not faking it, but you know, they're, they're acting. Um, 
You don't want to come in and be like, yeah, I sailed 280,000 miles and I did and I did and, and you know, I've 100 foot waves and I went through this, you know, just, just, uh, you know, casual, casual, keep it, keep it chill. Cause if you do go in and do that and then you crash jive the boat, everybody's going to be looking at you like, uh, hmm, is this person just lying to me the whole time? Uh, is it not, uh, thought 30 foot you know 100 foot waves like uh this is a squall and you're freaking out that stuff the ocean will the ocean will always find weakness in a boat but it will also find lies in a sailor embellishments braggadocio um it is uh it's one of those things where you know come into it humble make the right decisions um Keep your eye on the prize. Keep a weather eye. Stay involved. Try, try also. I think to help out your your fellow sailors. Um, if if you're going off watch, always offer. Like, hey, can I get you anything? You want me to make you a cup of coffee? You want me to grab you some cookies? Whatever you know, anything. Ninety percent of the time, they're going to say no. But uh, if they say yes, then make it up for them. Give it to them. You're about to go to bed. Those are sort of the nice little nuances that I think make it um, are going to make or break your little resume that you're building for future deliveries. Because, uh, like I said, I mean, word spreads like wildfire in the sailing industry, and if if you know, no, as much as people like to sit around and talk about you know great trips they had in this world we live in today, it seems like people. Uh, a story of a crazy crew member and just a horrific sort of voyage because of someone's personality or attitude or what they do would literally be the talk of the town for quite some time. So consider that when you're out there. And uh, yeah, I I don't know what else to really hit on about the whole delivery thing. Um yeah, I, I think that kind of wraps it up. Hopefully, Nathan, that uh, answers some of the questions for you and kind of get you get you into it. Maybe I should maybe I should read read that question one more time. Make sure there weren't any other little points. Uh, pockets ready to run. Details would be amazing. Do you get compensated? How do you get started? Yeah, I think that I think that uh, I think that covered some of those bases. So. Hopefully that was helpful in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if you want to get into it, just just get out there. Go where the boats are. Look for the masks. Go talk to people, and you will be amazed at how many opportunities come your way. So, having said all that, we are going to get into the raw recordings from out at sea so hopefully you enjoy these like i said it's about four or five parts that are all strung together audio quality is a little different because i'm just using the little device but you know it sort of starts off up in maine on the shore and it's going to end off for i think the last section probably last like 20 minutes or so is that last night from Beaufort down to Charleston, where it's just, it's, it's blowing like 20, 20 something. And we're wing on wing and just surfing waves. It's a little white knuckly that night. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. So interesting, interesting podcast, but thank you all so much for listening to the show. Thanks for writing in shout out Nathan for his, uh, input on this. And, uh, 
have a great holiday season, and we've got some good interviews that I've done. Um, those will be coming up uh, in the coming days. I think I'm going to put this one out. This one comes out today, so essentially this is the weekend one, and uh, then we'll get back right back on track for next week. Having one out early Monday morning, late Tuesday night, and get back to the Tuesday-Saturday sort of schedule. Thanks for listening, and until next time. Well, good morning. Update uh, from day one. We're actually uh, still on land, though. Arrived at Maine yesterday to a brisk, brisk evening. And uh, I got thermals on. I got cashmere on. I got everything on. Just trying my best to uh, stay warm, stay on top of it. Because, boy, it's going to be cold the minute we get out of here. Although the boat has a heater. And thank goodness, finally, I did a little investigating. It is a Sabre 45, so it's a real slick boat. And uh, very, very well taken care of. So it should be an absolutely fantastic trip. The weather forecast is looking good. We've... uh, We've got, you know, a couple little systems moving around as we go, but, uh, you know, more than anything, we're going to be calm conditions, probably through the entire Gulf of Maine, and then somewhere, hopefully, if it lines up around Cape Hatteras, because that'd be kind of nice to just get us in and out of there without too much trouble. But yeah, boy, it's beautiful. I'm going to have myself sit, just give you, paint you a picture. We're in a place called Tenants Harbor. And let me set this down. Oh yeah, there we go. Out of the wind. I think you're out of the wind. Ah. Oh, we're in a place called Tenants Harbor. Near Rockland and uh, Thomaston. A beautiful old sort of shoreside house. Or not old, modern, I guess, but big old dock actually a pier it's three four islands straight offshore and then you can get glimpses of uh, the gulf of maine big old channel marker out there lobster boats mooring buoys crazy tides absolutely fantastic oh and the nice part is last night i actually got a really good night's sleep uh, which allowed me to uh, oh rest my back for like 10 hours. That was so much needed after that trip through the airport. That was just brutal. I really did not give my back enough time to heal. Uh, seeing the chiropractor, I saw him twice and I probably should have seen him six times. To get me back to where I was this summer, but lesson learned. And <clears throat> excuse me, as soon as I get back, that's what I'm gonna do. Oh boy, it's beautiful out. I actually got a little bit of a breeze today. Definitely out of the north, because it's terrifyingly cold. There's frost on this dock box next to me. So, it's going to be a chilly delivery. 
but it's also going to be quite fun. Um, you know, deliveries can be hot or cold sometimes, but in the end, once you get sort of underway, you're doing things in shifts and you're working together as a team, breaking things up by cooking and learning about different chart plotters and all those sorts of things, which are pretty cool actually. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. It'll be nice to at least get out there and do some sailing. It looks like midway through the trip, we'll get some really good downwind sailing. And then if the forecast holds after the second calm, we should do some uh, some power reaching from Hatteras down south. So I think we're gonna be liking it a lot, but it is gonna be a cold trip. So I got thermals upon thermals upon thermals. I'm probably quite literally gonna be wearing every stitch of clothing I have for the first night. Minus, you know, six pair of boxers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think just now too, I was looking on the old Instagram and uh, looks like Cole, uh, who's racing in the, uh, the ocean race thing, solo around the world, they, uh, I think she just crossed the equator. So well done. It's getting, uh, it's a, it's a kind of a nerve wracking thing that happens though. When you're, when you're, uh, you cross that and you're in the South Atlantic now, you know, you're at the doorstep of the Southern ocean and that's, uh, awakens a whole new set of challenges in that trip around the world. Hopefully she's up for it. Hopefully her boat is doing well. Mentally, she's prepared. Oh, we will see. Ooh, chilly, chilly. But I think today, the game plan for us in our little trip is to get the boat fueled up, get the boat sorted out, and then uh, get every last little stitch of everything that we need on the vessel and uh, if the weather looks good and we decide to pull the trigger by about noon today or so then that's the game plan pull the dinghy up get it aboard and uh, lashed and ready and then set sail get on out of here really would be good because it's uh boy those forecasts can change on you so fast this time of year and you can go from having your little window and trying to maybe eke out a little better one to not having a window and being stuck somewhere for days and days or be stuck at sea hove two for days and days that's not fun either oh Ah, that sun is absolutely priceless right now. Without it, it would be, I think, I think it's like 30 degrees out here right now on this dock. But that sun's making it feel like it's 40. Ah, but yeah, that weather window, it seems like we've got one and we got to take advantage. But, uh. So yeah, this is just going to be one of many. I think I think with this podcast, we're going to just update. I'm going to do as many little updates as possible. Maybe some separate shows if uh, the mood strikes to go on like topic. But this will be this will be like update update city, and I'll string them all together. I'll probably have to edit through 
these a little bit just to uh, make sure the audio quality is good because again I'm not I don't have the big microphones it's just the little guy for this trip and uh, uh, yeah so that's my update for this morning there probably hopefully if uh, if we end up the crackle of a little telltale up there if we end up uh, setting sail today then I'm sure I'll do another one at some point as well but uh, yeah we'll just keep it going throughout the whole thing and uh, should be pretty fun all right Thanks for listening. All right, coming to you live from Sandwich, Cape Cod, Sandwich Marina, to be more exact. We uh, we made it through the first 24 hours, and it was brittle cold, absolutely freezing last night. We're doing three on, three off, just the two of us, and uh, I tell you what, I slept like a rock when I was off, and. Uh, I didn't quite shiver. We have hand warmers and such, but it was a chilly night to say the least. But uh, yeah, so we're we're waiting for our last crew member to come on board, which will make it a bit easier for the next three four days. Mmm. I've got my coffee. Just cooked up a nice little session of breakfast burritos. We went with ham, egg, and cheese this morning. And uh, kind of interesting little marina, lots of lots of working boats, lots of fishing boats, and um, you can smell them. And then we're positioned right next to some sort of very large power plant uh, with a large smokestack looking thing. So I'm assuming it's coal, maybe? I don't I don't really know, actually. Definitely not nuclear. It doesn't have one of those, those giant towers, but uh, yeah, pretty, pretty morning. It was nice to have that sun finally come up. I mean, we were ducking and dodging these lobster pots. Even this late in the season, they're just speckled everywhere up there in the Gulf of Maine. And finally got out of there just around sun, sunset. And, uh, and then it was a mad dash to uh, the Bay of Cape Cod, or Cape Cod Bay. And now we sit and we wait. And... Uh, the weather forecast is looking good. Um, we are in a bit of a race. There's a low pressure system uh, coming up Thursday, Friday from Florida. Or, yeah, I guess it's coming up from the Gulf, cutting across. And uh, so we gotta kinda beat, beat feet. And we've only got about 24 hours or so of good wind. And so I'm hoping we can do 170, 180 miles in the next 24 hours. And then uh, motor about the same, and possibly make it around Cape Hatteras, and then off into uh, park the boat in in uh, Beaufort, and do a little crew swap or whatever we're gonna do, and uh, sort of figure out things from there. But uh, if we if we if it doesn't look like we're gonna be able to get there uh, in time for this another next weather pattern, then. We'll probably end up ducking into the Chesapeake, but we'll see. I don't know. It's just one of those things where everybody on this boat's seen bad weather. We've dealt with it enough, and uh, it's not really something that we enjoy or are, are chasing uh, by any means. So I don't know. We'll see. The nice part is as we approach Cape Hatteras, we'll be able to get an updated forecast um, from the VHF and because uh, we'll be closing getting closer and closer to land and they've got some pretty powerful VHF uh, 
weather stations down there, I believe. So should be able to get it pretty far out. But yeah, I'm taking it in now. It's just uh, really just trying to warm up while we can. I have a feeling because the winds are going to be out of the north. It's going to be a chilly, chilly night and a windy one. Um, should be blowing, well, 15, 20, something like that. But we're going to be going straight downwind. So we'll be feeling less than... Uh, Less than a stiff breeze, I think. But who knows? Who knows? You never know. So we fueled back up. And uh, and we're ready because after this, this first 24, uh, the wind just dies off on us again. And then it fills back in. But uh, kind of out of the wrong direction if we don't get far enough south. So we'll just have to see. I don't know if you can hear that sound. But they're barges and cranes galore. Don't worry, John, I'm not just talking to myself. Oh. Got the old oh. podcast mic out, you know. No, I, I, I thought maybe that weather last night froze your brain or something. <laughs> uh, no, it's the duty of every avid podcaster. I, I think after I hit my 200th episode, I can call myself that at this point. <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, John, the captain, and I, we uh, we weathered through it last night, and uh, I don't know. I don't feel too bad. I feel like we can keep on keep on trucking. You know, first night's always kind of tricky to get a good amount of sleep. Uh, but I think with the cold and how calm it was, uh, and the gentle murmur of this lovely brand new engine on this boat, this Saber Forty Five. Um, I don't know. I the this the second uh, I did six till nine. Yeah, a little sleep after that, but the uh, midnight to three, I was out. I was done. Toast. Or no, sorry, the three to six. That's when I was off again, and that was uh, that was like full fledged dreams, um, vivid everything. Didn't matter. I, you know, my back is killing me, but. Um, doesn't really matter all that much uh when you're that tired i just sort of collapsed in that bunk and uh <laughs> it was pretty good so i got my little tens machine it's shocking my back as we speak i got a belly that's full i got a cup of coffee that's full as well and uh yeah i look forward to running the cape cod canal the tide turns here in about 20 minutes so as long as our last crew member shows up promptly we'll uh We'll be riding the sucker all the way out and uh, get into the Atlantic Ocean proper here sometime. Hopefully, right around noon or one o'clock, and that'll give us uh, that'll give us a nice little patch of daylight to get the sails up, work with that, get everything ready because uh, we didn't put any sails. Not a stitch went up last night. It was basically five to something knots straight on the nose and. Uh, we only had one little flurry of snow, but luckily I was asleep. <laughs> I did not, uh, I did not have to experience that one. But yeah, so all is well. This is my uh, this is update from uh, day two aboard the lovely vessel Prima, and uh, the adventure continues. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Ah, we are day two, three, I think day three, 
Yeah, well, if that was first day, yesterday was second, yes. Okay, day three. Probably hear some of the uh, ambiance around me, a little wave action, a little bit of slatting mainsail, and uh, probably the endless murmur of the engine running. Yes, we've got noises. It's almost maddening sometimes at sea. We, uh, we had a great day of sailing from Cape Cod Canal uh, for about, oh, 16, 18 hours. Great sailing. Holding nine, 10 knots sometimes. And uh, yeah, the Sabre 45 really, uh, it's a bit of an eye opener when compared to the old mighty Sparrow, but really uh, it was nice. We needed it after that long motor and it wasn't too, too cold last night, which is always good. <sighs> but uh, yeah, another, it was kind of nice. We had some stars last night, but last night was uh, the purgatory of sailing uh, condition wise and dealt with that plenty of times where uh, you know, the winds are good, builds up a little bit of uh, chop, and, uh, and then the winds fade off. And I was on the watch where it faded off. So essentially, uh, from midnight till three in the morning, um, I just, you know, we're trying to, trying to reach. And as the winds die, the waves sway that mass back and forth and it loses its grip on the wind pain in the butt for sure but uh you know move a little further forward here oh yeah uh, i don't know if that's any better or worse whoops sort of see um but yeah essentially uh so for three hours, I'm sort of battling, trying to keep sailing, because I know we have a big day of motoring today. And, uh, you know, the jib finally collapsed and filled one too many times and furled that away. And the main really couldn't do it. And it's one of those things where you get in that situation and, you know, board Mighty Sparrow, I'm, if I have to let the sail slat, I'll put a reef in the main just to... Uh, take the shock load down a little you know tighten everything right up like a drum uh, but we just had the main up here and uh, it's a brand new mainsail hate seeing it you know rubbing up against the backstay every now and again but try and do what we can keep everything uh, as chafe free as possible but you know things finally have settled down a little bit beautiful day we're about uh, 50 miles to the east northeast of the entrance to Delaware Bay making our way pretty much south southwest in hopes of uh, gathering a, a bit of breeze and getting in a bit closer uh, to shore so we can catch a new uh, forecast see what's coming there's a low pressure system that's uh due to start coming off the coast in uh, about two days and we just want to see if it's getting bigger if it's moving north uh what because we're headed for cape hatteras and when you're headed for hatteras you have to make sure you're staying on your toes 
it's a bit of a pinch point as far as the Gulf Stream. You don't have a whole lot of miles in between the, the shallows of the shoals and uh, I think it's called Diamond Shoals um, and the actual Gulf Stream. And the wind's going to be coming out of the north. It really just depends on how strong. 10, 10 knots of breeze, not a huge issue. Uh, 20 knots, yes, that gets a bit interesting, or at least it can, you know, for whatever reason you get pushed out and can't, uh, can't avoid getting into the thick of the stream, you can find yourself in pretty uncomfortable conditions. Dare I say, dangerous. <laughs> I mean, you know, 20 knots isn't too bad, but uh, it, it does, it changes the shape of the waves and, um, you know, it's when, if you can avoid it, avoid it, that's all the only thing you really have to say about that but other than that uh yeah so we like right now i believe i believe our waypoint right outside of hatteras is about 300 and something miles away 320 maybe um so for us even if we just had to motor two days a little less than two days to get there but the winds are going to fill in, unfortunately, from kind of the wrong direction and then from the west, which we can utilize that because uh, this boat, I'm sure, can point to wind pretty darn well and cut right through it. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. But the question is whether or not, it, it really is how much we have to motor uh, on whether or not we need to pull in somewheres and uh, ask directions. No, <laughs> we have to pull in somewhere and refuel. But we'll see, you know, we've, we've got a, uh, uh, our estimate is about 80 or no, about 40 to 48 hours of runtime on the engine before you get pretty darn close to empty. So we're calling that 40. And then we've also got our five gallon emergency jerry can filled with diesel. <sighs> around there's not a soul to be found out here it's still pretty chilly but the sun's out so i have delayered quite a bit uh i was actually wearing a pair of blue jeans uh pretty much since the get-go some thermals blue jeans and then uh my wet weather gear some musto mpx bibs <clears throat> fancy they're all black I really miss my old yellow ones. Those were the snip snap. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so uh, uh, it all depends on what the wind's going to do and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, the game plan is to get to Hatteras, cut around, and uh, pull into Beaufort. And hopefully in Beaufort, we are going to <clears throat> pick up another crew member for the jaunt down to uh, Jacksonville and right now for the first time <clears throat> excuse me this morning my back actually is uh, it's feeling a lot well, I don't want to say a lot but it's feeling better than it has for the last few days and I don't know if that's because I'm not having to walk around anywhere uh, I kind of have that inkling but um, I don't know for a little bit I was getting worried I was thinking holy cow I'm gonna have to get off this boat uh, once we get past Hatteras. Um, that's really been my initial, uh, not, I don't want to say purpose, but that's been kind of one of the reasons that I'm on board is uh, to safely get the vessel, I'll, although they are fully, fully capable 
uh, of being able to do it. It's just one of those things late in the season. Hey, you know, might as well have somebody who's uh, <laughs> who got turned upside down last year. Um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? But it's been a blast. I had a delicious egg, uh, egg, cheese, and sausage chunk burrito this morning. Absolutely divine. Last night we had this pasta and sausage dish pre-made by our huge supporter Kim. Thanks Kim. That was huge. And uh, yeah, we're going to dive into some more food today. We might even, depending on how everybody's uh, morale is, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't like motoring, obviously, um, but I also am so used to motoring aboard Sparrow, which is an entirely miserable state to be in. Um, it's loud, it's hot, it stinks. We don't go fast. Um, I mean, you know, when you have to use it and it's getting you somewhere, I'm really glad I'm able to do so. But uh, on this boat, we're moving along at seven, eight knots, and it's humming away. It's not loud. I can go down and sleep. And uh, outside of the slatting sail, which these seas are calming very quickly, um, so I expect that to stop fairly soon. It's uh, <laughs> I love it. It's complete stress-free. I'd rather be sailing, obviously, but it is. Uh, it's pretty stress-free momentum let's let's say uh to our forward goal and hey you know my morale is pretty high did a full clean up of the cockpit you know and you get a couple paper towels get all the detritus that collects uh, in the corners wipe down all the eyes and glass uh get the, all the salt from yesterday's sailing off of there oh man i love it there's definitely ways on deliveries to um elevate yourself I guess to a super cruise status um, you know there's there's the normal normal things that you every cruise should do you know you don't want to leave dishes in the sink uh, you know you want to offer you know offer making coffee offer you know if you're about to do something tell everybody let them know if anybody wants some you know be that guy it's always good nine times out of ten people say no but uh, also, nine times out of ten, if they do, it just means you need to double whatever recipe you're doing because you're already doing it anyway. Um, but yeah, if you if you're any good at cooking and you enjoy it, oh man, that is the snap right there. I am on board with two gents who definitely do not like to cook at all, and we've got all this great pre-made homemade food, super easy, and there's a microwave on board that makes it dead easy. Last night when it was rolling around, that was so clutch um but yeah you do that but yeah it's those little things of uh you know you get a, a little moment where everything's going fine the boat's doing well yeah grab a couple paper towels you know give it a little clean up a little, little swab you know and uh you know i don't know sometimes a lot of times people don't even notice but on the rare occasion when they do they appreciate the heck out of it i know i would Oh, what a beautiful empty sea. I'll tell you, it does, uh, oh wait, I don't want to get totally derailed. Um, clean the eyes and glass, you know, uh, tidying up the lines, keep things organized. 
the galley. A galley floor is a heavily neglected area. And again, just a paper towel or a rag, damp, maybe even throw a little vinegar. Eh, you gotta watch out for that though, because that's gonna stink up the cabin. People are trying to sleep. Last thing you wanna do is smell a whole bunch of vinegar. Like you just open up one of them bags of chips. Uh, it's no good. So try and try and keep to just a little damp rag. But yeah, you, you know those little, those little tiny things that you can either do or not do. But if you end up doing them, uh, you're getting invited back. That's why you get paid the big bucks. Oh yeah! <laughs> Gonna get me those new sails for Sparrow soon enough, baby. Uh, we got some plans in the works. Uh, I'm gonna have to make some, some, some calls and some connections, but. Uh, uh, who knows? Who knows? We're starting to think. Hey, I'll tell you, uh, being out at sea, man, it is making me want to figure out figure out a, uh, a way to fund just a, you know, maybe a month or two. Hop out, a couple of weeks sailing, stop by in some of the islands, sail back up, haul out, back to work. Uh, I doubt that's going to happen. I think... I think it's more of a uh, get going and, and keep working, but I do know as far as uh, the one income source of uh, you know YouTube, which isn't much at all because I don't post much on there anymore, I do feel like a, a nice huge bank of uh, some new material, maybe some instructional stuff, you know, like reefing the mainsail and I like those sailing views, things like that. I don't know, but you know, the only way I'm getting those is if I go offshore and uh, keep the channel true to its true to its subject: solo sailing, life experiences offshore on an old West Sail 32. Uh, I had a wonderful sundowner last night. Uh, we were gifted a, I think it's a bottle of Johnny Walker Red. No, Johnny Walker Black. I don't know. Anyway, it's really good. A little of that, a little water, throw some ice on it, lasts you a good long 45 minutes. Beautiful sunset last night, and we were sailing. You know what else could be better? But yeah, it's been uh, it's been real good. We're we're essentially uh, getting there. I, I'd I'd say we're we're nearing the halfway mark if we're not there already. And uh, if we make it all the way to Jacksonville, then we're not quite there. Uh, but if uh, if Beaufort is my last stop, then we're definitely halfway there. So, been uneventful so far, so I would definitely say it's a success. We've got some good sailing in, and it looks like we'll get some more good sailing in coming up. But uh, I'm going to enjoy the rest of the day, kick back, relax, maybe make a cup of coffee. Yeah. Maybe do some fishing. I don't know. we got a lot of food. It kind of seems like a waste to fish. That's how I've always seen it, at least. Uh, not really in it for the sport. I haven't seen any whales yet, but uh, it was also so cold, my eyeballs were frozen yesterday. So, well, not yesterday, the day before. Anyway, it's nice to have three people on board. Now we're doing, instead of three on, three off, we're doing three on, six off, which has always been my favorite watch schedule of all time. Can't beat it, um, I think. It gives you enough time to get sleep and do, you know, other things you want to do. But it's not so much time that you get bored. 
uh, and three hours goes by in a GIF. Four hours, especially on a night watch, yikes. And I know you can, you can sort of swap it up uh, depending on how many people you have and do four hours on during the day. You do like one four hour and then you're eight hours off, so that's 12 hours. And then you do two two hours. So two hours on, four hours off, so that's six, so that's 18, yeah, and then you do one more, two hour and four hour off through the night. I don't know if that adds up at all. <laughs> I've got, I've got slap brain. Never heard of slap brain? It's essentially, um, it's kind of a torturous thing, but the sound of the mainsail slatting melts your brain down into mush and uh, you're not very good at doing things like thinking and calculating tell you that much oh man it is absolutely stunning out here though it's a dark sea we're not outside the gulf stream so it's not that big brilliant blue it's uh kind of a grayish grayish yeah, a little green a little green but the big blue sky is illuminating it it's lovely Got to get more sunscreen on. Got pretty sunburnt yesterday. Lips are chapped. <laughs> I love it. I feel like a man again. Ah, something about the sea. Something about the sea. Well, I can't think anything else to do as far as updates go. But uh, next chance I get, I'll be throwing out another uh, another little update. Oh, dolphin! Hello. Oh man. That's one thing I'm kicking myself that I didn't bring. I have my uh, North Atlantic animal guide, courtesy of uh, Bojangles. And uh, he was the, my AT buddy who came on the trip way back in the day from Buford up to Maine. And uh, he brought it, and so uh, he gave me the info, and I picked one up. And it's a lot of fun, actually. You get these dolphins rolling in. They all got these, you know, super uh, identifiable designs and colors and all that sort of stuff on their jackets, if you will. And, yeah, it's cool. You pick them out, and you're like, oh, that's a bottle days. Whoa, look at that one. That's a da-da-da-da-da. I don't know. Kind of neat. Nerdy, but neat. You have a lot of time on your hands. A lot of time on your hands out here. So the other two are resting away, and... J-Rome is keeping a sharp eagle eye. A lot of shipping around these parts. We just went over the uh, Hudson Canyon, which is basically Hudson River, and goes out and there's a big canyon where there's a lot of fishing going on. So that was, uh, and you get all the shipping going in out of New York City and all that sort of stuff, so. Eyes peeled. Oh, yeah, we got a lot of dolphins here. We got five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ooh, the dolphins. Seen a lot of them, so they're not super exciting, but boy, they are pretty. Look at them darting around. Can you see them? Oh, no, you can't because it's a podcast. All right, thanks for listening. Until next time. All right, now we are, well, we have the sails up. Today's been the fuel calculation day trying to uh, just eke it out at this point uh, but yeah it's uh, it's not too bad day four and again the calmed we had a little bit of sailing last night but not much and now we are uh, 
essentially. Oh, I gotta get comfortable. Oh, stupid back. I'm gonna keep this out of the wind. There we go. That should work. Well, maybe you'll have a little ambiance uh, with the lovely little bit of uh, water lapping against the sea. It's absolutely stunning. Uh, yeah, but we calmed all day motoring and we're starting to get thin when it comes to the old fuel. Here are the stats. Boat holds 100 gallons. We fueled up back in Sandwich and uh, we have motored for precisely 30, uh, 40 hours, I think, at this point. And by our calculations, from our first little trip down the Gulf of Maine, we burn somewhere between 1.5 and 2 gallons per hour. And that's at 2,200 RPM. We've been probably running at an average of 1,800 RPM uh, for the last 40 hours. We're currently motor sailing at 1,600 RPM. Uh, we do have one six-gallon jerry can of emergency fuel. So by my calculations, we can play it safe. Tried to motor less than eight hours. I have a feeling we have a decent amount of fuel left. I think we have enough where, as long as we uh, kept it around 1,600 RPM, we could we could pretty much motor for another, I don't know, 15, 16 hours. Don't ask me how I came over that. Just a gut feeling. But uh, yeah, fuel gauges don't work on the boat, so, you know, like many, I rarely ever find a boat where the fuel gauge can be trusted. Sparrow doesn't have one, it's got a fuel stick. But even that's a bit wonky now and again. Uh, but yeah, essentially we're, we're about 80 miles from Diamond Shoal off Cape Hatteras. The winds are forecast to be blowing from the east and southeast over the next 12 to 15 hours. Um, hopefully up to, as they're forecast, 10, 12 knots. If that's the case, it's not gonna be an issue at all. Um, the problem is, is it another 24 hours after that, the northerlies kick in and uh, it's going to get pretty windy, 20, 25 knots, something like that. So not exactly a place you want to be when a low is coming up, um, obviously. But at the same time, we're so close. I mean, we're, we're essentially in the Cape Hatteras area now. We're in the arena. The lions have been let out, so to speak, and... I don't know, we're, we're, it's one of those things where if the wind kicked on right now, you know, we'd, we'd basically have about eight hours of sailing before we're tucked in and uh, out, sort of sheltered from the northerlies. So, really in the home stretch here into Beaufort, and uh, yeah, it's another hundred or so miles from there, but we're definitely going to have some wind. The big thing is making sure we have plenty of fuel to get in and out of the marina. And uh, it's going to be interesting when we finally do fill up and see how many gallons we can put in this baby. That's the real, the real tell, knowing exactly how close you came. But, uh, you know, everybody, we were kind of working on it today, trying to fix the fuel gauge, see if we could get a little bit more of an accurate assessment besides our own little calculations. But to be honest, I've been doing all of the calculations on Sparrow for so many years. I find that that is uh, a very accurate description and depiction 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, gotta keep the old weather ear for that telltale sign of the engine like starting to rev a little bit. Because that means it's getting starved of fuel. So, like I said, I think we've, I think we've probably got a good 16 hours easily of, of solid solid running this engine probably at 2000 rpm actually but that's me i'm a daydreamer i'm a hopeful i'm a uh, optimist but yeah beautiful day flat saw some warships saw a submarine you know we're in the area where they're doing a lot of practice and trial stuff thank goodness uh, nobody's tried to kick us out of the area because we couldn't go very far <laughs> although probably could ask them for some fuel if they really needed us to move on our way uh but yeah so this will be the last night i think uh knock on wood that we are on the first leg of the journey and uh we'll just see <coughs> we don't have anything set in stone for the second leg <clears throat> whether or not i'm going to be joining that or if i'm going to head back early or uh if kim's going to join us or or what so Bit of a mod podge, but we're all looking forward to uh, a nice ice cold beer in there at Beaufort and tying up to a dock, getting a nice good shower. I did a, a bird bath today, which is kind of nice. You know, clean the face, clean the neck, clean the hair, all that sort of stuff. And uh, even that just makes you feel pretty refreshed. You know, when it's that cold, you never really, I never really want to do anything but uh, hunker down and get through it. And then once it's warm, man, I'm I love a, a good gallon jug of fresh, lukewarm water and a bar of soap and some shampoo right in the cockpit, man. That's 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 my jam. Or if you're lucky, a nice, lovely squall, a downpour, a deluge, a uh, nature shower, if you will. Those are my favorite because you can scrub up, catch water, do all these multitasking things, and uh, it's always pretty exciting. And a bit of a cold plunge, too, because it's usually freezing, even in the tropics. But yeah, so that's our update from day four. I don't know, I might be able to do another one this evening. Um, I'm looking forward to the point where we can shut this engine down uh, and hopefully be still doing five five or six knots. I think if we get our wind, we'll, uh, we'll be doing pretty good for the next 24 hours, uh, which, you know we can we can we'll, we'll try and make it in there and uh, put a put a bow on this this first leg of the voyage from Tenants Harbor Maine to Sandwich Cape Cod to Beaufort Cape Hatteras this is Jerome checking in day four more to come oh there's something about the morning it's the best on the boat in the it's marina the it's starting to change though because you know that quiet calm peacefulness is beginning to shift because it, everybody's waking up now yeah you know? yeah made uh, the made the, the leap from yeah, dead yeah. to that peaceful place and now we got to look at the weather so we're here in, in Beaufort yeah next stop Charleston I think so. That's the thought? Just, I mean, that is the thought, kind of. Well, I know, just briefly looking at the weather, it looks like we have a couple of days of wind and then no wind. Mm. So, and then there's a big system that rolls out. 
So I think Charleston, yeah, might be the might be the destination. The way to go. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking this morning, and it's um, oh, I think two hundred and six, two hundred five miles somewhere around there. I thought I saw that. Yeah. Maybe pretty a much day, like yeah. a day, twenty four hours. Um, we'll probably, you know, it'll probably be closer to 30, 32 okay. hours. Really? Charleston's kind of a pain. It's got a long, uh, runway to get in there. Okay. And you're pretty much kind of motoring. Um, yeah, and just getting out of here, I mean, you got to think, like, if you leave this dock. Right. To get out of this channel to the point where we're actually sailing, it's probably like two hours. Seriously? Well, it's just, you know, okay. everything takes a little bit of time, so you always take that into the equation. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, I was looking, I, I charted, you know, I plotted the course on Navionics this morning. Oh, you did? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Nice. Um, and, but, you know, obviously it might be where I had my start and stop points were a little short. Right, right, um, right. But, yeah, I mean, and it looks like the wind is great, you know, um, like between, what, 10 and 20? Ten, yeah, um, yeah. Maybe abroad. Excuse me, darling. Yeah. Oh, good. You did say. I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, like a broad reach, maybe. Looks like. Yeah, and well, that's one of the things because for today, for the first twenty-four hours, it's going to be like a broad reach, but then it comes out of the northeast, and then it's going to be a run. Right. And okay. a run is not a fast point of sail. Especially for this boat, right, right. Um, unless you put right. the spinnaker up and all that sort of stuff, which we may end up doing. Well, we usually wing and wing. Yeah, yeah. You know, when that um, happens. But yeah, I don't know it. I, and then, you know, so yeah, it's like if you, if you leave here in the morning, you get there in the afternoon, not the following day, but the day after, or no? No. Sorry, the following day. Yeah. Well, if we left like at noon today, we would be there by evening tomorrow. Probably right? like five-ish, yeah. Yeah, and, which and is kind of good. Charleston's a pretty easy harbor to get into. It's yeah. super well marked because they have all the big container ships and all that sort of stuff okay. going in there. So. It looked to me like there was a little more wind at like 11 o'clock tonight, 12 o'clock tonight. You know, it's going to pick up a little bit. A little bit push, that yeah. maybe, I mean, would we reef before that? because it looks like it could be between 20 to 30 for a bit. Um, it's one of those things where you don't really want to change your sail plan so much just on the forecast alone. Okay. Um, there's been a million times where you can, you're looking at the forecast, you're out there, and yeah. the two are completely different. Okay. And I've seen people do that where they try and prepare the boat because the forecast is telling them to, and then they just sit there and they're floundering for hours waiting. waiting for a wind shift that right. just doesn't come because the forecast okay. isn't right. I guess my concern then is at midnight in the dark mm. to be needing to put a reef in. Well, it's so, that, yeah, I mean. It, like before it, I mean, we, I would want to be prepared for that, right? Not doing it in the middle of the wind coming, right? Or right. You. But at the same time, you you know, it'd be one of those things where to put a reef in this mainsail takes, you know, all of two, three minutes. So it's a pretty quick sort of thing, and, and usually what you would do is um, you'd get, you know, make sure there's one or two people up here yeah. to help out and get it all done nice, easy. I mean, you don't want to, it's one of those things where they always say you don't want to, if you think you should reef, 
Like if the wind's starting to pick up and you're oh, like, yeah. maybe we should reef. Oh, it's no, already yeah, a little too late. Exactly. Yeah. So it's good to be on the gun, but you don't want to sit there if it's if the boat's sailing perfect and the wind's great and the forecast says that, you know, such and such is going to happen. You don't just sit there and go, well, let's go ahead and change the game plan. You just keep sailing until, you know, the signs of reality show you that, hey, it might start getting a little hairy. Well, if you're saying that once the wind starts picking up, it's too late, what other sign are you going to be looking for? Well, that's the thing. I mean, the wind will start like yesterday. You know, we uh, the wind's picked up, and uh, you know the boat started to get a little squirrely. The auto helm was kind of all over the place, and so John and and Brian just reefed the main. Hey, Brian, are you there? Yeah. Can you turn that off, please? Thank you. And so they put a reef in the main, put away some of the jib. And and remember, I mean, it's one of those things where, with this boat having a furling head sole, you can furl that sail away in a matter of seconds. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, you've cut in half the amount of sail area you have. So yeah. you can do a quick sort of maneuver just to be able to deal with, like, a very, a very rapid increase in the wind. And then, when things are calmed down a little, then you can put the reef in the main, maybe roll a little bit of the jib out. It's not an all all or nothing sort of um, situation okay. like the idea of you know and it does happen typically I think the biggest thing would be when you get hit by a squall yeah so you're out there it's nighttime you can't see luckily we're gonna have the moon right uh, at least for the first half of the night but um, we're not really in the biggest like squally Hatteras is a pretty squally place okay further on south it's not so bad so not this time of year when you well, first of all, when you begin to only put a bit of the jib out, mm -hmm. doesn't that compromise your jib a bit? Oh yeah, but it doesn't matter. You're just looking for a little bit more horsepower. So, you know, the the shape isn't great, but at that point, you're not concerned about the shape. Well, no, I mean like the longevity of the jib. Like if you're always pulling out a little Spitfire jib, then you can really compromise the. the I mean, they're, the jib they're kind of designed for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know. Okay. Um, and then the other thing, when you said, you know, furl the jib, and then when things settle down a little bit, then you can put the reef in. Well, you mean you're just settling because you had so much more power because your jib was out. Uh -huh. So that's the settling down. Yeah. Because the wind is still hail, you know, blowing. Yeah, the wind is still blowing, but still the boat is now much more under control because you just took away half the sail tower. And now it's easier to deal with everything. And, you know, that even has, like, a curve to it. Because if if you were to say, like, oh, let's just drop all the sails and then we'll start anew. Well, the minute you don't have any sails up, oh, now yeah, your boat's... you're all over the place. Yeah. All, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, there yeah, is, yeah. like, there's this sweet spot. Right. Um, and, and the thing is, the more you end up sailing on the boat and going through squalls and reefing yeah. and all that sort of stuff, the more confidence you get with it. And you start to get a little overconfident sometimes. You're like, you know, you'll see a squall coming in. Uh, and you're like, we got 10 uh, minutes, uh, da, 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 yeah, all that now, sort of stuff. See, I see that black on the horizon. or It's like, <laughs> no, let's do this. Well, here's the thing about this boat, though. It's so fast uh, compared to Sparrow. Yeah. Like yesterday, there was a squall. Like when, when, when I got up here the other morning after they couldn't find me. Hilarious. I get, I get up. I can't boat's it. heeled way over. I look over. 
we're super powered up. There's a squall on the on the horizon, and now I'm alone on the boat. Like what? Oh, what? But yeah. this boat's so fast that yeah. we we outran that one, no problem. Okay. Where in the past on Sparrow, I would have been dead in the bullseye. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of cool. So um, when we are, you know, dead downwind then and we've got some wind behind us, which it looks like we're going to, mm -hmm. then a preventer, would we? Yeah, we have a preventer on the main, okay. for sure. Yeah. We'll so, pretty much have one of those almost all the time you're out at sea, um, unless you're unless you're beating into the wind, right. you have the main in tight. Right. You just always have one, because you know, it doesn't take much of a wave set to really start rocking the boat. And okay. that's what, because when the boat gets rocked in that, Boom. That yeah. mast and yeah. the lever yeah. going that fast, it's like it throws everything around yeah. up there. Okay. That happened to us coming in here when we jived and headed right for the harbor. We were going dead downwind, mainsails all the way out. Every time it's rocking and rolling in the waves, it's filling up backwards and then smashing, and you know that's the sort of stuff that's it's pretty tough on the on the so, boat. So, so what, what? fix that what would you what would be the thing to keep that from happening um probably if we would have just jived again and kept going further so we stayed more on broad reach okay get further over this way and then jive and uh and then we're not going dead downwind dead downwind is you know it's one of those things unless you're running with the spinnaker and stuff it's it's an uncomfortable slow point of sail right. and yeah. the boat rolls yeah 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 and so you try and avoid it. But I mean, and that's one of the things, like if you're going from here to here, dead downwind, it's actually faster to jibe. Mm -hmm. You you sail a lot further distance, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you actually end up, you're sailing faster the mm -hmm. whole time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, and that differs like boat to boat. Okay. So I um, do not know how to put the reef in, you know? Yeah. So I would, that'd be good to do. Oh, cool. Me. Yeah, yeah, I'd like you know? to, yeah. I've never done it on here. Yeah. I wasn't up when they did it. So. Yeah, and... Um, it's pretty easy, though. Pretty darn easy with these yeah. winches. Yeah. Really easy. So, um... <sighs> yeah, so, um, yeah, what are, you, what are we thinking? I don't know. We gotta, we gotta pull up the old weather and, yeah. and look at it and measure a couple distances and... Uh, I mean, it looks... It, it looks like we've got wind. Besides that little bit of wind that is going to be between 20 and 30 at 11 or 12, which I know is nothing for you guys, right? No, that's something. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's more windy, than... But it's fast. Yeah, it's fast exactly. sailing, which is what we as want. As long as it's behind us, we'll, well just haul ass. It, it and is. you can point into the uh, into the shoreline to stay out of the Gulf Stream, which is crucial. Yeah, I was looking at how close it is. Yeah. It's, it's, we're, we're, we're definitely... Is it? Is it? I haven't looked at it. I mean, it's today. not like, you know, it is in Florida. But right, you're right. certainly closer here than you have been. Yeah, I mean, you know? our, our big pinch point was obviously Hatteras. Hatteras. Yeah. It's so nice. We were able to get service before we even rounded the gate. Wow. And so we were able to download, you know, all oh, sorts of weather files well, and stuff. Good. Yeah. But that's the nice part about when you have like an Iridium Go. Yeah. You can just download that stuff whenever you want out there. I mean, I was looking at the weather, and I was surprised. I thought that there was a moment that the winds were going to be a, too strong for you to get around. So, because I was, they were they were coming from the east, right? Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, I was wondered if that was going to be an issue at all. 
and they were between, they were supposedly between, from what the weather showed, 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's for us, okay that's good, go yeah. Around. This boat definitely needs a little, little bit of wind in its sails to get it moving and stuff. Um, that's a decent, that's like a nice, nice fresh breeze. What, what wind would have prevented you from going? Like how much wind would have caused you to go, uh, we shouldn't be, what would have kept you from going around Hatteras when you did? Uh, oh, if the wind was coming out of the north. Okay. Yeah. So that's it? That's the only thing was a north Pretty wind? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, because you just don't want, you don't want the wind going against the current there. Right, right. And, you know, if something goes wrong or whatever, or for, for whatever reason you end up wandering into the Gulf Stream at that situation, then it's really bad. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's one of those places where you kind of wait for the conditions to be really, really good so you can just get around it quietly. Even knows you did it. I know you, you know? like sneak by, right? It's like Cape Horn, you just yeah. try and get around oh it, and then God. north of it, and then forget yes. you even did it. Oof. You cheer and scream. Or at least rejoice. Yeah, I've done. Yeah. I did it. No, without a doubt. But this will be fun. I mean, I you know I think, I think the nice part uh, for this you know next day and a half or whatever will yeah. be just kind of quizzing you on a lot of the stuff and let's just go through let's use the time as best we can as far as you know we'll just start out right from the beginning and you know go okay. through all the parts of the boat all the functions of all these things and oh i would love that yeah, yeah that, that, be sounds, fun. that sounds good so um i was thinking about the gulf stream last night mm -hmm. and i was thinking about how it is like an example of life. Ooh, okay. Let's hear it. Well, actually more an example of the universe, kind of, with respect to if, if I want my life to be beautiful and to move in a direction that is going to be advantageous for me, I, it's my responsibility to tap into the natural law and the flow of the universe. If I attempt to do something that maybe is not in line with the law of the universe and how it operates, like the law of nature, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there is a law to these if things. If you like go against the... And when you choose, yeah, to go against the law of nature or the law of the universe, then the propensity for something perhaps that might not be in your best interest at the moment or even down the line is something that you might want to reconsider then. So when I think about the law of the universe, my job is to be aligned to that and to stay in the flow of that. Yeah. And that, that means things like kindness, love, Generosity. Genera all of those things. Yes, please sandwiches. have your sandwich. <laughs> you know, all those things that that when you sow those good things and those beautiful things in life, they will serve you well. And so the Gulf Stream to me is like if you respect the flow of the Gulf Stream mm -hmm. and you utilize it and stay in it when it is, and you're in the flow of it, all will usually go well because you know you're in the Gulf Stream you, you, you're 
you're watching where the eddies are you know you're going to stay away from all that stuff but you're in the flow and and what are you doing when you're in the flow of the gulf stream you're flying right yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean you're just flying and all is good but damn you try to go against it then you're stuck then then it's a problem so so yeah i just i love that in the middle of the night last night i was like oh my god the gulf stream is kind of like the law of the universe or the law of nature if you stay in it and flow with it that that things will go well well sailing i mean it's got so many of those where you can sort of compare it out to many situations in life and Le- what you do in those is like you know if like, you are let me fine, have one i'd love to have one well you find yourself stuck and you're in a current and you're trying to go against everything yeah and even though you're you're still barely moving you're moving forward a little bit but you have options and it's either either you turn around and just go with everything but then you're going in the wrong complete direction right right. so you have to sort of change your game plan do about a 90 degree shift until you're clear of that whatever issue whatever blockade it is and then then you can continue on but without shifting like if you just sit there and just bull through it yeah. you'll probably get through it but it's going to take you forever but is that advantageous for right. for you I and mean, what are you doing to your spirit exactly. to your physical body to your energy to your boat but sometimes you, know. you do need to do that I mean there are situations where you can't and, and I think that is a skill to be able to just make it through not give up because that's yeah. I mean you know well, yeah I mean I but I I, I think I don't want to confuse determination in the middle of adversity mm-hmm. with the natural law of things that do right. exist to a, gr- to a degree you know what I mean yes big winds you know currents you know in the sailing world or being on the water yeah, there's a lot of those things where you just got to put your head down and lean in and just do it. Mm-hmm. Get your valleys on. The rain is beating in your face. It's freezing cold. Rise and to the occasion. And you just got to do it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but then there's times when it's like... New new plan. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's, let's figure out how we're going to maneuver this. But anyway, yeah. Well, I think the, the no. easiest one, though, would be go with the flow. Totally. Totally. Go with the flow. Go yeah. With the flow. Go with the waves. Go with the wind. Go with the flow. Go with the current. Well, and that's the thing about sailing. You know, it's it's. People say, well, where are you going to go, and when are you going to get there? Well, mm. I don't ask that question. You know, <laughs> what? What is so good? Is that yummy? Is oh, that hit the spot? Yeah. Oh, good. We asked for crispy bacon too. So delicious. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. We got to keep the the crew happy, right? Yeah. No. Well, you're part of the crew now. I know. I know. You've gone from our shore-based support to a <laughs> crew member. Yeah. Well, First mate, really. You're yeah. in charge of me, actually. Oh. I don't know about that. Technically. Uh, I don't know about that. Technically, you're on the level of the owner. That is just not right. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. No. I've... Uh uh-uh. It's all we just all do our thing together. You know, it's what where whatever the need is, fill it, you know. And whoever can do it, do it. Yeah. Oh well okay, so we'll look at the wind, we'll look at our course again. 
Um, so interesting. I'd love. I really would love to understand too the difference between. I mean, I know there's a difference between the low pressure and the high pressure, and you know how that affects the wind. You mm. know, like um, oh, there's low pressure coming through. So what? After the low pressure, then you want to get out there, or what's the what's the dilly with that? It kind of depends, but I mean, you know, in a broad sense, it's essentially low pressure systems usually create a lot of wind, mm-hmm. and it's it's a circular sort of a cyclonic wind. Uh, in the northern hemisphere, it rotates counterclockwise, just like yeah. a hurricane. You can essentially think of them as a small hurricane system, okay. not with that strong of wind, but. Are you talking low pressure? Mm-hmm. Okay. Low pressure. So, say a low pressure system, and, and Hatteras is phenomenal for them. They come out here all the time. They come down from Canada. The jet stream pushes them down, and they leave the land here, and then they also hit that Gulf Stream, that hot, moist air. Okay. And that's when they explode. Okay. And they have a term for it called obamogenesis. And it basically means, you know, it, it's, it just accelerates everything very quickly. Because that's a lot of energy going into a, a system that normally would just, you know, stay the same. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes this kind of area pretty treacherous. But So when we're talking low pressure, are we talking low with regards to where it's located? Or are we mm. talking to the wind, the wind velocity? It's actually low air pressure in the center. So... What's happening is nature, like it always does, is trying to balance that out. So there's a low-pressure pocket in the middle, okay. and all this wind is headed in towards it. Okay. Because we're rotating, right. the Coriolis effect sends it into a spin. Yeah, like a vortex. This is a real basic explanation, yeah. yeah. But it's just trying to fill that void. And so... And I, I'm obviously no, no weather expert by any means, but the the... What it means to us, and I, the way I like to think of it, is where am I relative to the center of that low? Okay. Because the winds north of that low are going to be going in one direction. The winds south of it are going to be going the opposite direction. Okay. And so, like for us, we want to head down south further. And if a low pressure system came out, uh, low pressure system the center came out south of us we'd be hit by winds from the east uh, and then we'd get hit by winds from the north so for some of it it'd be not great and the next part would push us where we want to go if the system came in the other direction uh, if the the center of it was north of us as it comes out we're getting hit by south winds so winds on the nose and again it just kind of gives you gives you just sort of a challenge because you have to deal with changing winds as the system moves from west to east. So do we want to wait? Like, like It would depend on the situation at hand. I mean, sometimes it's great. Like, it gives you that. Like, right now, this, this system took off, so we're feeling sort of the after effects. So we're going to have that nice wind from the north, northeast, and we'll be able to use that to get further south. So when you say the system pushed off. Uh-huh. Are you talking a low? Yeah, the one that came off of Florida. Okay. So now, the high pr- a high pressure, let's talk about that. Essentially, it's 
Kind of the opposite. So you have a big high pressure area. Meaning? A big, it's like the, um, the way they always describe it in books is a low pressure is a hole. Okay. And a high pressure is a mountain. Okay. And everything wants to roll downhill. All right. So essentially it's just a big area where the air pressure is, is um, kind of, it's not sucking anything into it. It's just kind of a blob that's okay. there. And it's slowly moving as well. But its air is sort of spilling off into all the lows that are around it. Okay. But this whole system is all constantly moving around our globe. Yeah. And it's just sort of one after another. The problem with high pressures is typically if you can get a big high pressure area that just sits there, you won't have wind for days. Mm. And as we know yeah. on this boat, you can motor for 40 eight hours straight without running out of fuel but it's oh, gonna be God. fingers crossed <laughs> well we did dump in a few gallons yes so it's gonna be interesting to see what's actually in that tank i know i, I or what it takes I, I have a feeling we weren't burning as much as we thought we were okay um, but because when we crossed the gulf of maine we had the hammer down we were just trying to get there God. yeah i mean and i know you know phil the guy who put the engine in mm-hmm you know, said this is where you want to run this. You know, this is your sweet spot. Mm. So if you run it revved up higher for a longer length of time, mm-hmm. is that an issue at all? Mm. A little more wear maybe on the engine. Okay. You're just going to burn a lot more fuel. Okay. That's all. You can cavitate the prop. There's there's a lot of little things that can happen, but yeah. you know, it's one of those things usually find your nice little sweet spot like with this one it's about 2200 rpm okay. and you know every once in a while you gotta goose it it cleans the carbon out mm-hmm. well on our other one we we ran at 28 yeah and some engines are designed so, like that yeah so it's like to, to just dial it down to 22 is mm. is different you know so on sparrow the guy who redid it put a bigger engine in for some reason right it reaches its cruising speed at a thousand RPMs. Oh my gosh! It's awful. The, wow. the engine rarely ever gets up to its actual running temperature. So you're running pretty slow. Um, well, no, it's just the engine pushes it, and that's what and gets it, up to hull speed, and then oh, okay. there's no reason to give it anymore. And what what is your hull speed, Colin? What are, what are you usually doing? What's your average on? If if we were spell? just dead flat water, probably five knots. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's not horrible. No, no, no. And, you know? Hey, you're on the boat already. What's what's the yeah. hurry? <laughs> exactly. I know. See, that's the thing. <laughs> you know? No ETA and no calendar. Yeah. If I you mean, can. I mean, I know when you you're can. delivering boats, you know, it's a different story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, but yeah, I just, you know, for me, cruising is just about cruising, you know? And if the wind and the weather is right, you go. If it's not, if you can hang, hang. You know, if you can be on an anchor somewhere, why not? You yeah. know? Well, and that's um, where most people find themselves in trouble is when they, they feel like they need to go. And they, they're they like, well, it doesn't look great, but yeah. I really I need to go. Yeah. And then all of a sudden... You're in trouble. Yeah. But for me, the faster we go, the next time... The next, the next job comes up, and the next one. I know. <laughs> until I've done enough where I can finally buy some sails, and I can go cruising. So you have to buy new sails. Yeah. Oh. That's the goal right now. Okay. Is uh, a new main and a new staysail. 
and then some used sails. But uh, okay. if I can do that, then I can take Lady Sparrow and put her back in the water. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. If I can't, then. Oh, it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, you know, life could throw so many different things at you. I mean, I, I, if I had to, like, if the situation sort of arrived that it was just like, hmm, it's not going to happen, um, then I don't think I'd be too heartbroken to uh, put put Sparrow up for sale and then um, just, well, just change the goal post to, you know, trying to do the the round the world um through the trades on a different boat and all that stuff and well, what do you mean on a different boat well i'd like to buy a boat on a, a project boat out on the west coast something in the 40 50 foot range okay. old old timey boat still but okay. um something where we could essentially outfit it with you know bunks and all that sort of stuff so that myself and then four other people could go and we take off from the West Coast and do the entire world coming back. Oh, my God. Uh, oh look at that boat. Wow. Oh. So a boat like that. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Don't uh -huh. you love that center cockpit? Mm-hmm. Oh. I don't like those big windows, though. You mean on the, in the, yeah. in the cockpit? No, or well, on, on the, the super, side? yeah, on the side. And you why take, is that? Well, if you hit one breaking wave... A big enough one, it'll just take all those out. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Without oh. question. Oh. Wow. Look at that thing. Yeah, I know. Beautiful. Wow. So you get a boat like that, right? You fix yeah. it up. Yeah. And then you, you start inviting all these people and see who wants to do what legs and the journey and all that sort of stuff. Oh, and man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be, that'd be fun. So, you know, if I were able to sell the boat for a decent amount, that would okay. be able to get put towards okay. that. But okay. I got to make, you know, it's it's... Yeah. I, I'd like to do at least one more kind of long ocean voyage, right, but uh, right. you know, sometimes you gotta, it, you have to sometimes know when to move on, because it just you know every time I do one of these voyages, you, it just breaks the bank, yeah. and then you're you're sort of like starting from scratch again, and it's kind of like oh my god. Luckily, this last one, you know, because of all the craziness it, it led to this new presentation and stuff so that's helped yeah obviously yeah. but uh, and it'll help in the future as well so that's a fun story to tell oh my god yeah. i haven't heard i mean i, I wish i, I was, was in the middle in, of it no, watching no. it you know <laughs> what i mean you're texting me and you're going oh my god you would not believe how how, how bad it was <laughs> you know <laughs> well in fort pierce i'm doing the that one's the around the world talk which will be that it'll be kind of interesting to see how that changes when is that one again uh that one's on the 6th of december oh wow yeah and i i don't know if they're opening it up to the public i mean i can always get people in i'm sure but uh what time is it uh what time of day it's not in, it's is it in evening? the evening yeah sometimes they use them they'll like you know charge a ten dollar admission or something and other times they'll just like sell beers or whatever okay. i it, it all you know every single one of these events yeah, is different yeah so. wow that's but pretty who knows uh, yeah yeah that's, well the, you know the thing is too though and i and i you're so young i mean you really yeah, i'm running out of time though everybody, everybody you, dude ticking away you're so young Really. A lot can happen when you hit 50, though, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit. No, you'll be fine. Well, okay, I, started I know, but I'm not going to bank on I that. I started doing this at 60. Yeah. Okay. 
and at 60, I mean, I just feel very strong, very limber, you know. Well, ain't you something. Well, no, I just feel that way, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, you know, boasting about it, but in my mind, it's kind of my, my mantra, my, my unspoken mantra within my brain is when there's something really challenging that's really hard, yeah. you know, I will just lean in and go, I've got this, I've got this, I can do this, I've got this, you know. Well, I think I think in one of the things though, uh, over the past like year has has been you know dealing with the the sciatic nerve pain and stuff, that showed okay. me just okay. how out yeah. of control uh, or the lack of control I actually have over my I my understand. own health, and I, it's sort of like, okay, so yeah. you, you something can happen and then and then you can be in in pretty pretty big pain all the time, and it affects like what you can do. And, and all that sort of stuff. Like, I, when I went down to work on Sparrow, I mean, I was in pain the whole time. And yeah. I was just thinking to myself, like, there's no way I could take this boat offshore. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you completely. Right now I'm dealing with a torn rotator cuff. Right, right. In the shoulder. And I, it was really doing well. And I think I re-injured it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And so I've just had numbness and tingling all down this arm and in this hand for the last two weeks. Right. And so it's really compromised. And so I hear you. It's exactly what you're saying because my body is betraying my mind. Yeah. Because my mind is saying, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. (laughs) And then your body's And my body's going, Oh really? Well let's take a look at this shoulder. I have a little pain here. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's see you try to pull that halyard up, you know, hand over hand yeah. with the torn rotator cuff. So I do hear you. Well, um, I'm hoping though that I'm, I'm very hopeful that we'll be able to get it sort of sorted out. But um, yeah, I mean, like if I go up to Michigan and uh, I can't get back pain to go away, that, that literally means I can't go and do this yes, next job. No, I, 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 yeah. I, I got it. I, so, I, I don't know. That. That, and that, that's one where it sort of changes your future bit where you're like okay so I can't do these things anymore so what can I do you know yeah so that's yeah. what I'm kind of grappling right. with at okay. this point but well I'm hopeful you're in the middle of the medical crisis if you will I mean you really are you're in the middle of it your the, your pain level is rough it's, right now luckily it's not quite as bad as it was uh, the first go round in the spring from from January through uh, June was the worst. So do you think maybe something happened when you... I don't know. I think when I got thrown onto the cabin soil out of the the bunk, that might have set in motion a little something. The inflammation Uh, or whatever happened in your disc. In my disc, yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Hopefully some downtime. Will, Will you have maybe a couple of consecutive weeks of downtime where you can really just... Let your body heal. Uh, I'll, as soon as we finish this trip, then then I've got. I think Un- like until the. F- it depends on when we finish this trip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I f- I'm supposed to fly down to Florida on the fifth. Okay. So. Well, you know, we. We'll get we'll get down to Lake Charleston, I okay. think, and I'll, and I'll then fly we'll get back you going. ASAP, and then okay. uh, hopefully I'll be able to see this guy. Do you, are you taking any anti-inflammatories? Mm-hmm. And are you choosing not to do that? Yeah, I just, you know, I my body's never done really well with any sort of painkillers and, uh, you know, even ibuprofen and stuff. So that, 
it, you mean it bothers your your stomach, or it just doesn't give you any relief? Doesn't give me any relief. Yeah. Okay. And I think that just has to do with the fact that it's like a nerve thing, because the nerve is just like, it's like, oh yeah, throw that at me. I well, mean, unless but, you're taking like oxycontin or something. Well, but why <laughs> is your nerve irritated? Is yeah, your nerve irritated because you've got it pinched? You've got a bulging disc, or is your nerve irritated because you've got muscle strains? Right, right. You know, so if you have a muscle strain, you're going to have inflammation. So, potentially, an anti-inflammatory would maybe minimize some of the pain, but it's just hard to tell. Hey, hey honey. So there, can you go back over there and hand me that box of warm pastries that's on the counter? All right, here we are. I uh, have no idea how well this recording is going to go because. There's a lot of ambient noise around. <laughs> From surfing waves. Yes. This is just phenomenal, phenomenal sailing. I mean, really at its best. This is this is a wonderful night. So stats. Uh, again, we're on a Sabre 45. Brand new sails. We've got the full main up. We've got the full jib out, which is about 120% or something like that. The jib pulled out, we're wing on wing, and just dead downwind uh, from Beaufort, North Carolina. We're headed right for the edge of the frying pan shoals on Cape Fear, and then down to Charleston, which is gonna be the end, and I'm gonna hop off the boat there. We're surfing up to 10 knots, times uh, up to 11, and uh, yeah, we got we had a quarter moon, eh, about two hours away from setting. Beautiful, clear skies, stars everywhere. Jupiter just off, uh, off our stern. Orion rising in the east. Cygnus setting in the west. It's phenomenal. It's really the we. There's a bit of a swell running, but. There's not, there hasn't been any wind or wave chop because the winds, eh, right now I'd say they're about 16 knots, maybe gusting up to 18. Very, very comfortable sailing. The kind of sailing you dream of. This is the kind of conditions you dream about from that one clip. <laughs> but we are going to be cutting it a little close to the old frying pan shoals, but uh, we should. Looking at the little chart plotter display, should be a good mile or two off. And uh, so that gives us a little bit of wiggle room. We're about 24 miles from them. Uh, and we're not sailing by the lee. We're a, we, it'd be nice to head about five degrees further downwind. Um, but no, this is, this is perfect and it's warm. Uh, I've got I've got just a pair of boxers under my Fowleys. Don't even need the poof jacket I have on, but I figure, you know, it's keeping me at the perfect temperature. Got a cup of coffee. Just ate some Chips Ahoy cookies. Uh, we, one of our faithful crew members aboard the boat, Brian, caught a kingfish today. I had that for dinner, and you know. We're in the home stretch here. 
and I'm starting to get that feeling again. You know, that that feeling I talked about, if you listen to the podcast where I'm driving back home after doing the speaking tour, it's that feeling of like, all right, we're in the final stretch, home stretch, baby. And, uh, you know, even though I'm not looking forward to flying uh, because I hate airports and I hate airplanes and all that sort of stuff, but still... It's uh, a half day of travel, and boom, I'm transported uh, back to a nice little, a nice little bit of time this time. You know, I, I only had six nights, so there wasn't much time to sort of acclimatize to. I don't know. I think I was just wanted to just do nothing so bad that it, it sort of took over my being a little bit. And uh, this time, I definitely have some more projects and things to work on get with the illustrator try and get these children's books out oh man it's gonna be wham bam plus i got a bunch of emails about some possible presentations set up for next summer things are happening they're popping feels good (laughs) it always happens though when when you're away from your ability to check things like email and whatever obviously they'll pile up but oh man this is just too nice just screaming along. I mean, this is this is what this is what it's all about right here. And I'm all alone up here, you know. Everybody else, uh, there's there's four people aboard now, total, uh, myself included. But uh, everybody else bedded down for a little while. I'm gonna wake up uh, the next the next lowly soul uh, in about an hour. And yeah. I'm probably going to stay up. Well, I don't know. I may or may not stay up for a little bit more. Um, just because it is so nice. And it's the last of the uh, the final the final leg of the voyage. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather enjoy the starry night than, you know, the hot sun of the day. I've always been like that, no matter what. Out on long passages, I'd much rather stay up all night than... Uh, brunted out during the day. I get sunburnt pretty easy. No matter how much sunscreen I seem to put on these days, I don't know. I don't know if uh, they change the chemicals they put in there or whatnot, but it doesn't seem to work as well. Maybe it's my old thin skin. Ew, ew, it's like paper. Gross. Uh, getting old, you know, it's all part of it. I'll tell you, my back, my back. Uh, acting up again is terrifying um, and it's it's really forcing me to face the reality of I don't know I'm not, not so much the aging process really because I know plenty of people that are twice my age that feel better than I do but it's the knowledge that uh, your health and everything are kind of not in your control in a lot of ways so that that's definitely a little disconcerting for sure all right let me pop this gps up here oh yeah dude we're definitely missing these shoals and that's good because on a delivery if you're if you're sort of there to lend your expertise um and you run aground on some shoals it doesn't look good for future clients. It's not a good thing. No. The only reason I'm kind of speaking at a lower voice is uh, 
because everybody else is sleeping. Boat's pretty big. I'm behind the helm, so I'm not too worried about it, but I just don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to be that guy. Freaking guys up there chatting away at a stupid podcast all the time. Can't get any sleep. Never again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But it is, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's just been, it's been a really good trip and cold cold as the dickens a lot of motoring uh not a whole lot of wind and when we had wind it was quite a bit of it and uh, a little overpowered but this boat is just i don't know man it it definitely uh it handles the breeze it seems to like going pretty fast and like having a lot of wind in its sails so that's kind of an eye opener too you know when it when i look at uh sparrow but you know it's one of those things where you can white knuckle it on different types of boats at different speeds. You know, you're on an open 40, you're gonna start white knuckling it when you get 25 and above, or maybe more. I don't know. I've never been on one. This boat, you start white knuckling it at about 10 knots. Sparrow, you can start white knuckling it at about six knots. It's all relative. And hey, you know what? If you're already out there on the boat, what's your hurry, man? Oh, baby. We do have a little issue that the jib, the pulled out jib is collapsing a bit. And I think it's just, we just don't have quite enough wind. So every time we surf, it sort of collapses a bit. And I'm hoping when we finally are able to turn down wind a little bit, that will alleviate that problem. Either that or the wind picks up a little bit more, which it was kind of forecast to do, but the forecast, you know, that's a pretty exact thing to be like, well, it's gonna, drop off by four knots or it's gonna boost up by six knots at exactly 11:32. although those little those little computer phone devices sure would try and tell you that they can do that that is the first first uh first stop back home uh going to the old verizon store i can get myself a brick phone and I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's been a lot of, uh, a lot of cell phones and uh, stuff like that on this trip. And it's, it is definitely an eye opener of how much, you know, how much time do you actually want to spend in your life staring at a little tiny box, a little tiny itty bitty screen? I mean, when I think about my life and looking back on it you know i'm very fortunate to grow up at a time where we didn't have those things so you know you have all these other creative and fun things that you did when you got super bored and you just had to come up with something to do well that little box takes care of that you can just whisk the hours away and uh, not that I'll, I'll totally go sans without it, because obviously I still want to post things and everything like that. But, I, I you know, I kind of want to separate it to the point where, you know, I just don't have it with me. I don't need it all the time. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that they must have a brick phone that has a decent camera now. So I still take some pictures here and there. But, you know, if I'm out trying to make content on a boat somewhere, obviously I'll have the iPhone. But... It's just the day-to-day. -day. Just don't want it. So that's my last. And no more rant on that. But I will hopefully get that sorted out when I get back. And uh, and then I'll brag about my brick phone. 
and the reactions I get from people who are like, you're an idiot. <laughs> What's up, Stone Age caveman? Your cave phone? <laughs> I'll turn it right around on him and be like, you're the idiot, wasting your life. That thing will rot your brain. Rot your brain, it will. Oh, man, this wind is just... Oh, listen to that. <laughs> the lovely sound of surf. Ah, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to this uh, this moon dropping down below the horizon. It's gonna give me some pretty epic stars. I mean, we're we're close to the shore, so it's not uh, it's not gonna be spectacular by any means, but definitely freaking awesome. Whoa, jeez, we are definitely rolling a bit. That's for sure. Got the old roll going. Very reminiscent of Sparrow. I've spent so much time going straight downwind, it's crazy. But hey, you know what? If that's the fastest way and it gets you there and you have to do it, then you just do it. You, you grunt up to it, you like saddle up, roll me to timbers. Oh, but yeah, God, it's so it just feels so great to be out here and just just ripping, just ripping. Not just ah, I don't know. It's like it, it, there's something about this old timey traditional dead down wind sailing. You just unfurl those sails, let them fly, and just go, go, go. Wind picks up a little, you go faster. Wind drops off, you go a little slower. Like that's it. Simple simplest kind of sailing you can do what could be better easy easy Ooh, we're wrestling to get that pole on there though holy smokes we, we initially set up this rig uh, we had the uh, starboard pole and the main on the port side and then realized that yeah we needed to get around Cape Fear uh, so we then jibed and switched it up, but trying to reclip the reclip the pole onto the sheet because we're actually clipping it right to the bowling loop. And the purpose for that is that you don't need so many guide wires and things like that, uh, sort of holding that pole in place so it doesn't slide down the sheet. La da da. So we kind of went with the cheap method, which is really interesting because on Sparrow I have the same setup. So I have a figure eight that's about four inches from the bowling that's tied to like the staysail. And so what I can do is just clip straight to that little section. And now the pole can't slide aft on the sheet. And after doing it so many times and knowing all the angles and all that sort of stuff, I know that I just need to reroute the sheet through, you know, the aft lower and the upper uh, shroud and I set the jib car, the block in the right spot, and I can actually sheet it in to a point where eh, I don't have it exact, but pretty darn close so that I can set everything up with the staysail down, clip the pole to it, all that stuff, and just come back and hoist the sail. That sail goes up, the pole's pretty much taut. I might have to adjust the trim a skosh, but pretty much it's there. And the nice part of it, is say a squall rolls in or something like that i need to depower quick there's no clipping there's no none of that i don't even go forward all i do is hit the halyard bing staysail pull everything falls down hits the lifelines and just sits there 
and 10, 15, 20 minutes goes by, the squall's gone, I just hoist that baby right back up. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything, but uh, it is pretty nice. Once I got that system in play, it was it, it really was kind of a game changer, I must say. Uh, man, just beautiful. Got a couple of clouds to the uh, southwest. Nothing to write home about, but where the wind is coming from. We got nothing but big old Orion looming full force. We got Beetlejuice at one end. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the other star. It's Beetlejuice and... Is it Rigel? I think it's Beetlejuice and Rigel are the two main, main stars. And then, obviously, you have the belt. But the... Uh, what they call a sword, which I'm sure back in the day when, you know, I'm sure that was not a belt that was hanging there. Uh, the actual end of that, the last what looks to be a star, is actually a nebula. Orion's Nebula. A nursery for stars, if you will. So, very, very cool. One of my favorite constellations by far. And I always like the fact that, uh, you know, Orion rises just at the same time as Scorpio sets which I think is kind of a cool thing and it's like the battle because the Scorpio actually killed Orion you know Scorpion comes up stings him in the foot the great hunter goes down oh man we're getting we're almost getting like it almost feels like we're getting a little sucked into these shoals for some reason I would have thought we'd get pushed out because the current is going down It'll be interesting to see what happens as we get closer and closer, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Just cruising, cruising, and loving it. Man, oh, this was a great delivery, really great. You know, first, first yacht delivery I have done since probably 2013 or 14. It was before I went back to Bitter End for the second round to make the money to go around the world. That was the last time I did yacht deliveries and uh, we did a handful of them, a couple from BVI up to New York. Um, I actually did a motor yacht, um, an Ocean Alexander, up through the Bahamas. That was a lot of fun. Shout out to Richard and Helga, wicked. And yeah, I don't know, other than that, it's been a while. And I, you know, I must say, ooh, big surf. That's a 10-knotter right there. Um, I must say, I was, I was a tad bit nervous. A little like, uh, how's this going to go? Am I going to be able to be on a boat with people? Is it going to totally freak me out? Or is it going to be pretty much cool? And uh, I have to say, it's definitely been pretty darn cool. We've, uh, we've all had a, a really good time and uh, doing, you know, doing the solo watches and everything helps out a lot because you're not all over, you know. There'll be a couple of times a day, usually during meals, where everybody's awake at the same time. But the rest of the time, people are sleeping. You get the boat to yourself. You know, we haven't had, uh, and we don't have any, like, huge music enthusiasts I mean, I am for sure, but I, I just put one little ear pod in and, and 
you know, jam some tunes, nothing too loud, because you got to have your, you know, you got to be able to hear whatever. Um, never underestimate the importance of your audi- auditory sense on a boat, because you can hear when things go wrong. And if you plugged in headphones on a boat, like both of them, insane. That's just crazy. Your ears are going to tell you just about as much as your eyes will, for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's um, just jamming. But, you know, it is kind of nice because sometimes you get on, on boats and, and people are like, dude, listen, they're jamming music that maybe you're not the biggest fan of kind of all the time, you know. You had to, that, was, that was always sort of the thing, you know, you, you hop on a delivery down to the islands and the owner's super stoked about, you know, his Jimmy Buffett lifestyle. And decides to listen to nothing but Jimmy Buffett. Shout out Jimmy. I love you. You're absolutely phenomenal. But I'm not listening to you for 12 days straight. Day and night. Cheeseburger in paradise. But I do. Hey. Buffett's king man. He's a goat. That dude was a legend. And he's got great tunes for sure. I'm not. Not coming down on him. God rest his sweet soul. He's a national treasure. You know, my old man, Jim Bob, friend of the show. Shout out, Jim. He's been on the show before. Uh, he uh, he actually got on stage one time and was dancing. He was one of the coconut, uh, coconut-clad dancers at a Jimmy Buffett show up in, I think, like Pine Knob in Michigan or something. I don't even know. We got a picture of him in the hula skirt and everything. Old man was pretty crazy, man. He was, uh, he was a zany guy in his day. He still is, too. You catch him at the right moment. Or you get on a on a passage with him, and man, he goes from the quiet guy who, you know, doesn't say much, but when he does speak, people listen, to the chatterbox won't shut up and let you go back down below and go to sleep. <laughs> Shout out, Jim. Love you, bud. Oh, man. But yeah, so we're creeping in on the shoal. I got to start getting my game face on. It's going to start shallowing up. Right now we're in 103 feet of water, but that is going to be sliced in half very shortly. We probably should see depths uh, shallow is about 30 feet, uh, but only for eh, about 20, 30 minutes. And uh, and then we're we're out of there from there. So looking pretty good. That's my report. I'm sticking to it. And uh, hopefully this audio actually worked. All right. Thanks for listening. Back to sailing. And we're back. Now in the bunk. I'm finally off watch. And there is a bit of a creaking and groaning with the joinery in my bunk. Uh, Not sure if Mike is picking that up or not. I actually, I'm I'm 100% sure it is. Must, must. We had a, uh, a faux pas go on not too long ago where someone set an alarm. That's a big no-no when there's a bunch of people sleeping on a boat because she forgot about the alarm and uh, proceeded to be on deck and it went off until somebody else woke up. So we're just going to get a quick interview here. I'm sure my listeners would like to know about the alarm clock incident. <laughs> Get that. Put that away. <laughs> All right, go back to bed. Alright, go back to bed. Alarm clock and get you up in two hours. <laughs> it 
happens to the best of us. <laughs> well, in redemption, she's cutting up some pie for everybody, so quite quite nice. Oh. But yeah, oh, there's nothing like being in the bunk, I'll tell you. It feels good. Finally get horizontal. Stayed up pretty late on this watch, but uh, it's just before midnight. Beautiful scene still. We've even got a little lightning dancing off into the horizon. Shooting stars all over in the sky. Peak is going to be even later, so I get up in about three, four hours, catch that, and then watch the sunrise. I mean, what could be better? So I'm going to get some shut eye. And uh, I don't know, this may be the last update on the pod until um, we do a wrap up show. So, good night. <laughs>